Welcome to the Love Reimagined Podcast. If you're tired of hearing about a God who is supposedly represented perfectly through Jesus, but is less kind than you, your grandma, and even Hitler, this podcast is for you. We welcome you to join Joe Chadburn, that's me, and friends as we reimagine Father through the perfect lens of Christ. Now, we occasionally tip a few sacred cows, but be assured that no members of the bovine species were harmed during the recording of this episode you are about to enjoy. Hi, friends, it's Joe Chadburn. I'm here to talk today about patriotic entanglement. Before I begin this video, I do want to preface it by saying that I love the United States of America and I love every nation on this planet. Yes, Iran, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, China, North Korea, France, Germany, Mexico, Chile, every nation. If you can name it as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who loves this world, I love those nations. I love the people in them. I may not agree with their governments, even as on many cases, I don't agree with the government of the United States. I love the people in those nations. Nations in the Bible speaks of ethnos, which is ethnic groups. And I don't judge people by their, by their governments. I, I you know, um, no, we, we love people, all people of all shades created in God's image after his likeness. So this is a message of love, of hope, of reconciliation that I'm glad to bring today. I'm going to hit on some very hot button topics and they're going to make some people uncomfortable. I'm sure that's okay. I love you regardless of how uncomfortable you get. Uh, I love you. And I probably took your position at one time. And um, my thoughts have evolved. Uh, my walk uh, with the Lord, where I am spiritually, has changed and evolved through the years. So things change. I want you to know I'm coming from a place where uh, I am a, uh, <laughs> a Marine Corps veteran, a pretty well-decorated, honorably discharged Marine Corps veteran. And I don't hate the United States of America or any nation, but I want to touch on some things right now. The, one of the first things I want to hit, and this is a golden calf issue, but it's the Pledge of Allegiance. And um, we're going to talk about the Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem, and several other things as we get into it here. But um, first of all, the Pledge of Allegiance says, I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the United States of America. So it is a pledge of allegiance to an object. Someone might say, well, it's just a pledge of allegiance to our country. It's not. It's a pledge of allegiance to a piece of cloth, and there's a conjunction to the republic for which it stands. Uh, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, and um, I want you to name some other instances where it's acceptable and wouldn't be labeled idolatry to pledge allegiance to an object. You know, I pledge allegiance to the chair, pledge allegiance to the table, pledge allegiance to my coffee cup, to my dog, to my gun, whatever. Um, 
I just don't see where that is something that is found in the Christian scriptures or something that I need to adhere to. It's not a biblical mandate and not something that, that I believe I have to do and something that's even against my conscience to do. So does that make me a bad person? No. Does that make me a, a bad, quote, American? Well, that's up for you to judge, but I love you and I love people in this country. I love all people. Um, and, you know, under God, one nation under God. So this whole under God thing, are you claiming special favor and status while using these two words to justify all of your nation's actions? Or are you simply acknowledging the Almighty? And I'd have to ask, would you use this phrase if you lived in communist China, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, France, Germany, Mexico? Only you know that. I'm not judging your heart. But I believe that, uh, that the Lord is sovereign, that he loves all nations, cares about all nations. I believe his spirit was poured out on all flesh. I believe the whole earth is filled with his glory, although the whole earth has not uh, acknowledged or, or seen his manifest glory as he desires. Um, God loves everybody. So to think that there's just, you know, this, this one or two special favored status nations who are under God or that you're under God and some other nation isn't is really, to me, it is, a, it is the height of arrogance to say such a thing. And uh, the American, you know, uh, in much of the American psyche lies the notion that the USA and Israel are God's, quote, special nations, while the rest are unruly stepchildren who must conform to America's will because she has a thus saith the Lord and under God rubber stamp. And whether you believe it or not, that's how it comes across a lot of times. And we've got to, we've got to get rid of that just because uh, we're, we call ourselves Americans doesn't mean that we're on God's side. God is on everyone's side. God loves everybody. He cares for everybody. He cares about every precious person in every nation. For God so loved the world, the entire cosmos, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the message. Um, you know, here's, here's the crazy thing. We talk about uh, things like the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem. Let's talk about the National Anthem for a minute, because people get, uh, get all in a frenzy about that, and who sits, kneels, stands, whatever. But uh, I got news for you. When I was in the Marine Corps, I saw people in the Marine Corps, people in the Navy, people in the Air Force, and people in the Army. Didn't hang out with any Coast Guard people, but uh, they're, they're wonderful, precious people, but um, did hang out with them. But when colors would, would play, when it was time for colors, when the flag would be raised in the morning, and when, it would, uh, when they'd bring it down in the evening, the national anthem would play. And what you needed to do if you were outdoors was you would stand up, face the flag, uh, kind of like Muslims face Mecca for prayer. You would face the flag and, uh, and salute and stand there at attention until the song was over. Well, I can tell you there's a lot of people in the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps, at least in my time of service, that when they had the warning for that song to be played, they would run as fast as they could indoors so that they wouldn't have 
to stand. So just to live, just, just sharing that. Uh, sometimes we can be so hypocritical about stuff and really care too much about songs and pieces of cloth and things like that. And I'm going to get deeper into that. But um, in our national anthem, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's, let's go to the third verse of it. It says, no refuge could save the hireling and slave from terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. So slaves can't escape. They should be horrified of leaving and reaching the ultimate, <laughs> reaching their grave, okay, according to this verse of the song. And this is, that's horrific. Uh, I want to know why must all sporting events be preceded by military propaganda and nationalistic religious ceremonies? That's a good question, but I'm going to tell you something. The military industrial complex demands the brainwashing of our children along with a just war mentality in order, cre order to create a demand for their supply, regardless of who catches the bullets and bombs. Uh, Let's talk about other instances in patriotism where the name of God is invoked, okay? Uh, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Well, what nation hasn't God shed his grace upon? I, I, want, I want to know whether people have uh, walked in that or not. And Americans have not done the greatest job of walking in the grace of God, but God's grace is, has been shed abroad upon all men, okay? So here, what about the battle hymn of the Republic? How about on the money, in God we trust, one nation under God. And let me tell you, something, one nation under God, people use that as a blank check for anything just to justify what a nation does. So one nation under God isn't a country where people love a piece of cloth and a song more than they love their brothers and sisters who don't look, believe, speak, act, and vote like they do, okay? The use of God is also the prominent argument of manifest destiny, <laughs> but only as it is related to the United States and Israel, okay? Uh, and that's, that's very strange how the American psyche uh, functions like that, okay? Um, colonialism, invasion just seems to be a a normal thing in the mindset, as long as you have God on your side and God justifying, uh, you know, genocide, apartheid, so many things that are happening, unjust war, and, and, and all war is, is unjust in, in my book. But um, that use, the use of God's been used to uh, justify the genocide of Native Americans, used to justify slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, etc. It's like you just tack God onto whatever you're doing, okay? Think about this. Troops on different sides of different wars have both been praying to Jesus uh, while believing that he was on their side, okay? This is German soldiers, French soldiers, <laughs> uh, Russian Orthodox soldiers, American soldiers, think about, think about that for a minute, okay? Everybody thinking that God is on their side to go and kill all of these other people. 
that's crazy. That is not a new covenant mindset. That is not seeing things through the perfect lens of Jesus. You may be looking at it from a flawed Old Testament lens, whether we're groping in the dark, looking for the perfection of Christ and him who is, he who is the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. The only one who could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm not a, the type of person, I'm not uh, going to be like Peter, who sets up three co-equal tabernacles or wants to for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. The law and the prophets, types and shadows, uh, Old Testament kings, all of that, anything that you find under the old covenant, all right, is, does, is, does not hold a candle to Jesus. It, it is it's really um, so imperfect compared to him. So we really need to stop doing that. Only Jesus is the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person. The rest of them were groping in the dark, in the midst of types and shadows and uh, imperfect understanding of the Almighty. But Jesus is the perfect logic of God. He is, he is the perfect selfie of God, not Moses, Elijah, David, uh, Solomon, or anyone else. So that's something that we need to keep in mind when we're all about this warmongering, if you're calling yourself Christian, okay? Because Christian is, means to be Christ-like, uh, not Moses-like, not even not David-like, okay? We're not Davidians or Branch Davidians, or we're not uh, worshipers of Moses. We, we are followers of Jesus. So I'm speaking to Christians here. So if you're claiming that to be one nation under God, and you believe that Jesus is God incarnate, then we can't just, you know, uh, just tack his name onto everything that we do. So oh, in God we trust, that's just not going to fly in the real world. It, it doesn't, it just does not work. It defies spirituality. It defies love. It, it defies common sense, okay? It defies our very conscience. So these are some things that, that people really need to think about here, okay? People talk about uh, just wars, okay? And I'll use that, I can use air quotes when I'm talking about uh, just wars. So these, these just wars, okay, we're good. All right, Smedley D. Butler, who is a major general in the United States Marine Corps, he fought in uh, both the Mexican Revolution and World War I. Uh, he was at the time of his death, the most decorated Marine in US history. We would sing about him when I was in the Marine Corps, especially in boot camp, when we were uh, on marches and when we were running, we'd sing about Smedley Butler. There's a base named after Smedley D. Butler. We'd hear stories about him, wonderful guy, but they didn't tell us everything that he said or what he believed when he, when he retired. And I want to quote, let me quote Smedley Butler, okay? And I want to talk about just wars and tacking God onto everything that we do uh, about this in God we trust and God shed his grace on thee and, and all of this. One nation under God, there's a whole lot of presumption going on there. Um, okay, Butler says, here's one quote. In short, I was a racketeer, a gangster for capitalism. I believe in adequate defense at the coastline and nothing else. This is his words. If a nation comes over here to fight, then we'll fight. 
The trouble with America is that when the dollar only earns 6% over here, then it gets restless and goes overseas to get 100%. Quote number two by Smedley D. Butler. I spent 33 years and four months in active military service. And during that period, I spent most of my time as a high class muscle man for big business, for Wall Street and the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer, a gangster for capitalism. I helped make Mexico and especially Tampico safe for American oil interests in 1914. I helped make Haiti and Cuba a decent place for the National City Bank boys to collect revenues in. I helped in the raping of half a dozen Central American republics for the benefit of Wall Street. I helped purify Nicaragua for the International Banking House of Brown Brothers in 1902 to 1912. I brought light to the Dominican Republic for the American sugar interest in 1916. I helped make Honduras right for the American fruit companies in 1903. In China, in 1927, I helped see to it that Standard Oil went on its way unmolested. Looking back on it, I might have given Al Capone a few hints. The best he could do was to operate his racket in three districts. I operated on three continents. Smedley D. Butler's words, not mine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and during my four years in the Marine Corps, I didn't do anything to perfect, to uh, protect your freedom or democracy. The only thing I really did was to, to help keep, uh, perhaps keep your oil prices and uh, prices at the pump a little bit lower. That's it. Um, people talk about just wars and they always want to point to World War II. Well, I've got news for you. And you can study this out. And Keith Giles has wrote a wonderful book, Jesus Untangled. You can get a lot from that book. Um, but uh, if the United States hadn't funded and supplied Hitler's war machine in the first place, World War II would have never taken off. The Nazi war machine would not have taken off like it did. Um, it's not that we didn't know about, uh, about the Holocaust. People were letting it happen. We had anti-Semites in our country who were funding the war and letting it happen. Look at your history. We finally, when things got out of control and Pearl Harbor got bombed, then we got involved. And don't you know that the war machine, the military industrial complex, loved it because they are, they're often selling uh, munitions to both sides. So had we not supplied and funded the war machine, American interests, this just war, all these deaths, okay, so many of them would not have to have occurred. So think about that when, we, when we're talking about just wars and, and what's really happened in history, okay? Let's put 9-11 in Iraq in context, okay? My fellow Americans, how would you feel if China invaded us with shock and awe based on false intelligence from Canada, which China considered to be the Holy Land and continued to occupy us in the name of freedom and democracy for 17 years and counting. How would you feel if 9-11 occurred in China and 15 of the 19 named terrorists were from Mexico, but China invaded the United States instead while giving Mexico favored nation status? If, if you don't like those things, then you really, you, you, if we don't like that, we need to take the beam that is out of our eye because it is so hypocritical, okay? What happened in Iraq is not of God. One nation under God ought to repent, okay, for doing that, not 
not do it and then stay in there for 17 years and counting, okay? Let's talk about uh, what the gospel is. The words euangelion, this was a Roman term. This was not a term that was made up by, by Jewish people in the first century. This was not a religious term. The gospel basically states that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. We do not worship the uh, political systems, okay? Um, and this word euangelion was a newsflash. It was used in times, it was used when there was a birth of a Caesar, a victory of a Caesar, or a regime change when there'd be a new Caesar. So the gospel, yes, there was a, the birth of a king in Bethlehem, the victory of a Caesar through his life, and on, especially on the cross, and through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And then we have this regime change to where his kingdom has come, is coming, and will come. But it's an upside-down kingdom of real peace, not a Pax Romana or a Pax America. That's peace through strength and, you know, by military and economic intimidation and bullying. This is, this is all about turning the other cheek, about loving our enemies, about praying for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. This is the Jesus way. If you are a nation under God, you serve a different king. It's a different kingdom. It is a love kingdom that turned the world upside down in the first century with no uh, military might and with, without using politics, without being in bed with Rome, they turned the world upside down for love. And that gives me great encouragement today. I want to say this, the church has always been at her weakest when she's been in bed with Caesar. You can go to uh, 313 AD, the time of Constantine, numerous instance through, instances throughout the papal system, Hitler and his support uh, through the church, through professing Christians, okay, doing these things under God. Uh, yeah, this isn't just an, an American phenomenon. People have been waging war in the name of God for so long. But see, people get upset uh, when Muslims do it, but and, and and have done it in the past. But when when Christians have their holy wars or or Jewish people, you know, invade and occupy and do things, uh, or or anybody else, you know, there's there seems to be a a problem. Okay, if the people are not, you know, uh, one of the nations that we think are under God or that or that God loves, that God cares for. All right, so this is this is really important. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself, the whole world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, not just segments of the world, not just small portions. Jesus said it's not in this mountain, in, in Samaria or in Jerusalem, where people, uh, where the Father seeks people to worship him. It's all over the place because those who worship the Father worship him in spirit and in truth. They're not looking for, for holy places and whether it's a religious holy place or a political holy place like Washington, D.C., they are people of the spirit. They are New Jerusalem, people who operate on a higher order and they're not, they're not in bed with Caesar. 
when Christians are in bed with Caesar, bad things always happen, and Jesus is, is seldom seen, okay? So let's talk about it. So having said that, I've, I have to conclude that when you're talking about a, a country that's founded on genocide, okay, uh, built on slavery, and you have all of these unjust injustices, uh, not that there's no good things, or not that there's ever, not ever been good people, but we have to pretend, uh, stop pretending like everything is of God and everything is perfect. That's my point, okay? I'm telling you, no uh, natural nation has got this thing right, okay? But we are a chosen generation, <laughs> a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar called out chosen people that we should show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness. That includes political darkness into his marvelous light, out of militarism, out of hatred, out of prejudice, out of, uh, out of nationalism, okay? And a religious patriotism. Okay, uh, it's one thing to love your country. I love all countries and I love so much about the United States, but I'm not about to worship it. And I do not place the United States above any other country. Okay, wherever people are born, they usually think it's, hey, this is, this is great. Okay, and that's, and that's all right. They love it there. There's certain, there's, uh, there's certain things about, uh, you know, the, the landscape, the beaches, the mountains. There's, there's so much beauty in this earth to be enjoyed. And people ought to, you know, appreciate the land that they live on. And they, they ought to, uh, to guard and cultivate the land. And yeah, you know, yeah, Christians should be uh, environmentalists as well. That's, that's, that's important. We should care about the environment. And I'm not talking about there, there are extremes to anything, but we ought to care about the environment because the meek will inherit the earth, the land. So if you don't believe there's anything left to inherit, then you just don't believe Jesus. But, uh, and I want to say this, the Beatitudes, along with the entire Sermon of the Mount, is pretty much the antithesis of American evangelicalism. Let's go to Matthew 5. Uh, now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach, that he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the warmongers who are using the name of God, tacking the name of God onto their, uh, you know, the agendas of their military industrial complex. It doesn't work that way. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that persecuted the prophets who were before you, you hop down to verse 38, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now that sounds, that sounds like the American way. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Doesn't say uh, exercise your second amendment right. 
And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Verse 43, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate, hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. You're going to be manifest sons, okay? You're going to act like a nation under God, a holy nation, okay? That you may be in the United States, but you're not of the United States, okay? For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? See, that includes entire nations. Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you you do more than others. Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I want to close this by saying, Mr. Perfect, who loves the whole world, lives in you, and you dwell in him. Now let him love through you. That's how we can make America great. Not as an empirical superpower, but as a genuine force of love for those, all of those, everyone, at home and abroad. I love you all. Thanks for viewing this, listening to this. I care about you. I, yes, I care for the United States of America, and I especially care for the entire world. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share with family, friends, and those who have yet to discover their awesomeness and yours. You can also check us out at thejesusconversation.org. And remember, no cows were harmed during the recording of this episode.